Welcome to podcast number 32, Survival Mode. Now before I get started today, one of the best compliments you can give a podcaster is to pass along their podcast to a friend, or even rate it where you get your podcasts. Now I have a limited network, but you can help someone else to listen by simply passing along this podcast in your social feeds. I hope that you will. My name is Damon Soka, and today's episode is about surviving. Sometimes it is all we can do just to survive the moment, whether that moment lasts a day, a week, or even longer. What I really want to get across today is that it is just fine if you end up in survival mode. We really can't control life entirely, or even most of the time, and so events are going to happen that's going to trigger you into a spiral and a bad episode. While nobody wants to be in survival mode, there is no shame in it happening. The most important thing we can do is to be prepared for it, and most of all, survive. Now, I know that in almost every podcast I've given over the last six months, I have really focused my efforts on healing, management, treatment, understanding, therapy, and so forth. And certainly that makes sense, given that most of, most of us don't want the bad days to continue. We want to know that there's hope, help, and honestly, just something out there that might afford us some type of relief. No one gets up and says, let's see how bad we can make this depression today. Or let's see if I can make my panic attack, my panic attack so bad that I pass out. For the most part, we don't like that it controls our lives. We don't like the pain and suffering. We don't like the darkness and oppression spiritually. And finally, at least for me, and I expect it might be the same for others, I hated that Lucifer seemed to have such greater access to me. I didn't like taking medications, even though they were helping and I did take them. I think in some ways we are naturally disposed to independence, and an illness of this nature simply reminds us how dependent and helpless we really are. It is frustrating, and at times we simply fall off the treatment wagon and forget how important the daily management of the illness really is to our lives. Now, I know this happened to me, and I did this several times. I can give you all of my reasons why I did, but in the end, I'm not sure that any one of them matter. Sometimes I think that the disorder itself also creates a paradox. Thought patterns for me were always of the nature that I wanted to change things so I could break the cycle. Once my, my patterns became more established in my body, I realized that if I did something jarring to my system, such as moving to a new town, a new job, change things up a little more drastically in my life, I could abate the illness for a time. Now, I believe this can be true for many individuals who, su who suffer from bipolar anxiety and depression. But all this really did would just probably upset a few of my cycles and make the rest more miserable. But I often did it anyway. And the question is why? Why would I do this knowing that things might get worse? The answer is temporary relief. The body and mind are always looking for relief. And if they know a way to get it, the mind and body will pressure the body to make those changes. It can be almost scary how focused the mind can be on obtaining relief from the effects of the illness. The drive is incredible, and I would say in many ways difficult to overcome. In our first 13 years of marriage, we moved at least one time per year to a different location. Why? Probably more because of the illness than anything. This drive can cause individuals to run away and disappear for times, for periods of time, it can cause individuals to return again and again to drug and or alcohol or an abusive relationship. 
All this drive seeks is a little relief. Just some time without the pain and suffering. Just a moment where it can be left all behind and we can feel normal, irregardless of the consequences. This is why drugs and alcohol and other substances are particularly difficult trials for anyone who falls into the cycles of temporary relief. The mind can become consumed with finding relief, and at a certain point, it doesn't matter the legality or origin of the relief. I have mentioned before that I was lucky enough not to have access to such things, but if I had, my thought pattern is, is I don't think that I would be alive. I never tried drugs or alcohol. Part of this was the religious nature of the church and my own desire to please people within my church family. And the other part was that I didn't have friends or no individuals who used these substances. But I do know the power of the drive that comes with the disorder. There can be such a fear as one realizes and feels the pains, the mind fogging and the darkness of a depression or an anxiety attack descending upon one's life. There is such a feeling of helplessness, a fear of pain, a loss of desire, happiness, peace. That fear can be such a driving force. If you knew that tomorrow you were going to break your leg, you would probably be extra vigilant and actually change all kinds of plans to try to avoid it. The problem with depression, anxiety, bipolar, mental illnesses is that there is no stopping it. The avalanche is coming and you have no choice but to stand there and be buried alive. You have to watch it descend slowly towards you and then cover everything in your life with a darkness that most of the time just can't be described. Now the body is naturally going to react to the avalanche like it would breaking a leg, especially because it has seen it before and it will react with fear that most of the time will have you will have difficulty controlling. Your body does and will do everything it can to avoid pain and will drive you to the extremes to find solutions. Now why talk about this part of the illness, because sometimes the illness comes down to simple survival. And this might be true more often than not, as one works through a treatment process or early on in the process, or even later on in the process when we sometimes fall off the treatment wagon. Survival in this sense is simply avoiding those things that would lead to death spiritually and physically. That doesn't always mean an immediate death either, but a shorter future life with serious consequences. Sometimes we can only survive the moment of the illness. Now, I know that sounds like we've jumped off the wagon in whatever way we normally do, and then we have to get into survival mode because we've left the safety of treatment. Now, while I admit that this is sometimes true for most people, the reality is that there are going to be times when you're doing everything right, and the disease in life finds a way to truly infiltrate your life, and you'll be moved from management to survival mode without your permission. It is bewildering and utterly defeating to move from feeling as though you may have gained a little control to the wilderness of, I don't know what in the Hades has just happened to me. Why? This doesn't make any sense. I am doing what I should be. I am keeping on my treatments. How can I be here again in survival mode? What is the use of all the medicine, management, treatment if I'm back here again? It makes one question almost everything including treatment and life in general. For me, it made me want to do something more a little drastic, a little more drastic in my life, to change things up more, find another job, go somewhere else, do something else. 
it is really, truly just the body searching for relief and trying to find that relief anywhere it can. Now, I haven't told anyone yet, but providing this podcast has brought back many feelings and memories that I, that sometimes I even have difficulty re- returning to continue to record it. I have felt some emotions that I haven't felt for more than a decade, and those feelings bring about a fear in me that I cannot describe and can only be described by someone who has felt those feelings. Don't get me wrong. I think in many ways it has been good for me to record this podcast, and I hope it has been for you. But in the midst of all this discussion, my heart still fears the illness I once had very much, even though it has been over a decade since I really felt the any major depressions. The anxiety it creates is really more than I expected. Now, I do have some continuing depression, but it's quite manageable. But to begin to feel some of those feelings I once held so long ago makes me recoil. That is one of the points of the message today. That fear is such a powerful force in our lives. I can't say that survival mode is going to be similar for everyone. I think that we might each have similar feelings when we see it coming, but I know that we deal with it very differently. When depression comes or the anxiety rises in us, or perhaps even the mania, our mind begins to cope with the issue as a defensive move. Our minds are very good at finding temporary resolutions to issues, pain, suffering, and also experimenting as to what works and what does not. Now, even if the solution it finds only works for a short time and may have serious consequences, it can easily fall into the yes category in the mind if there is relief. This is why drugs and alcohol and abusive relationships are often very dangerous to anyone suffering with mental illness. When the fear strikes and the body and mind are looking for solutions, there are simply those solutions, dangerous solutions, are simply far too easy an answer. Even a more common expression of eating sugary foods, comfort foods as they are called, is part of this survival mode. The good feeling chemistry we obtain when we eat is a powerful drug. When depression and anxiety attack, this can be one of the uses of the drug in the brain. We eat to ease the pain and suffering. You can find many individuals who are overweight, who have depression and anxiety simply because their brain has found a source of temporary relief in eating these comfort foods. It is important to remember that the power to obtain a little relief can be all-consuming in many ways. So while you might think that a person simply has to diet and exercise to lose the weight, it is not that simple for these individuals, and they can be very self-defeating to view their difficulty as if it were the same as any other person. The reality is that their addiction to the comfort foods is as real as any other drug addiction, because the body drive is not about hunger. It is about temporary relief from the effects of the illness. So it is important for those who suffer to understand that their desire for food is really an addiction to the chemistry in the brain from the comfort foods, rather than some type of self-discipline problem. And it should be attacked in that manner. Survival mode is going to differ as far as relationships, whether you are male or female, your culture, your environment, level of society, it will differ even if there's poverty involved, and so forth. You might find your remedy and drug of choice in romantic physical connections. You might find it in solace, not talking to anyone. You might find it in the comfort foods, social media, television, 
gaming. Some might even find it in such things as gambling and pornography, others in drugs, others in a variety of activities and opportunities that prompt even anger. Anger is a powerful force. Now, I, know, I have known individuals to use radical politics and anger as a solution to depression and management. Whatever survival mode entails for you, and you're going to know what it is for you, know what remedies you are seeking now and how best to avoid the bad ones, especially those that are going to cause lasting difficulties and addictions. There is no shame in knowing what you need to survive. There is no shame in knowing that you need to survive a moment in time or several of them. There is no shame in the illness or disorder, no matter the source of the issue. Sometimes you're going to fight just to get out of bed and do your morning routine. You may fight just to get to work or just to care for the children in the most minimal way possible. There is no guilt or shame or anything to be ashamed about when it is all you can do. Yes, you're going to have to fight that little voice in your mind that tells you you can always do more. But remember to make sure that you do take care of yourself. Proper care and rest will be critical to the management, is critical to the management of the illness. If you don't manage the illness, then it will manage you. And if it manages you, those around you will suffer. So when those moments come, and they will at times, you must look at it as a moment of survival. Then do your best to follow the plan you have set out for yourself. Your survival plan should contain several elements. First part of the first part of this plan is not to wait till the survival moment comes. Your mentality will not be sufficient to be able to keep you from those things of greatest harm. So the first part of the plan is to plan now. The second in the step is to avoid having access to those things that would be detrimental to you. This means that if you have suicidal thoughts and you know your most likely methods, then you remove these things from access and you tell somebody close why you don't want them near you. It's not that you're going to commit suicide, but you don't want them around you when that weak moment comes along. This also includes access to alcohol, illicit drugs, prescription drugs that you might use, or even another abusive relationship. When the weak moment comes, you want it to be difficult to obtain. The abusive relationships, perhaps pornography, might be more difficult, but you will need to find a way to avoid returning to these types of situations as well. Most often, you're going to need help during a survival episode, and this will, be, will need to be a trusted friend or family member. This is really the next step. You need to plan with this trusted person some type of cue, a word, whatever it takes for them to know that you are in survival mode and need some help. I don't believe that they are going to need to be around you 24-7, but that will also depend upon the episode and the person. It might be. Now, once you've removed those harmful things and substances and have that helping friend, then you will need to make sure you pare back your activities to a reasonable point. Again, it can't be hiding your room all day. You still need to be able to do things, and you should. And I realize that you may not be able to do much, but find some things you can still do to help. Stick with the treatment plan as close as you can and avoid making those drastic changes to upset the rhythm, as I've discussed previously. Now, the final step is probably the most important, something that I always ended up doing, and that was on my knees. You should ask for help, both in prayer and priesthood blessings. And I believe that you will, you will find it most often in those locations now, survival means being able to withstand pain and suffering. While I didn't see it at the time, I've often thought of the times the Lord did come to my rescue. I don't think he ever dulled the pain very much, but perhaps it could have been 
I do remember my mother sitting on my bed as I cried, the pain being so difficult that my body would burst out in tears and convulsions. Being a parent now, I know that there exists nothing more difficult than to watch a child suffer and to know that you can do nothing but sit beside them and hold them in whatever way they allow. I know my wife has done the same thing for me at times, and I have done the same thing for her. I think that we could probably liken it to the angel who was sent to the Savior to strengthen him in his time of need. The angel could not have taken any of the atonement, but he could be there to comfort them. And I don't think that we need to be a glorious being sent from heaven to provide the same type of comfort. Often, we really can't do anything when we're helping another, but sit in silence and allow the emotions to flood out of their body through tears as we hold them. Survival mode is not something I recommend one suffer through alone. I know that true relationships, while you have a mental illness, are going to be few, but you're going to need them. And most of all, you will need them when that survival mode comes upon you. The one thing I recommend for survival mode is that you have someone you can alert to the problem, as we've discussed. Now, I know this is going to be very difficult when perhaps family is not close and you are single. Mental illness and being single just don't work very well together. Survival mode is far more difficult when you are alone. Now, I also believe that the Lord is aware of this and does provide additional support to those who need it due to circumstances. However, you are going to need a close friend you can trust, and that can be difficult. It's difficult to say that I need help. I believe that the Lord places people in our lives at certain times so that we do have the support we need. Often, we just need to look around to find those that are already in our lives for that support. We simply need to ask. It's going to be important to educate these individuals regarding the illness and the difficulties associated with it. As I have said frequently, even people who think they know often don't really fully understand the illness. You can use various medical websites, the National Institute of Mental Health, to help them to see what they can do. I know that it's going to feel awkward talking about it and working through how they can help, but it will be worth it for them and for you, especially during a survival episode. You are not likely to be the only person. Also note, you are not likely to be the only person in their life who will suffer. So you can actually be of great benefit to them as well as they learn to help you. Survival mode will be one of the most difficult moments and perhaps some of the most difficult moments you will pass through in your disorder. They're frustrating, exhausting, debilitating, and can create great fear in the body and mind. Preparing for that moment before you get, get, get there can go a long ways to helping your body and mind through it. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy or that the episode will necessarily abate faster, but with some preparation, you can avoid those events and things that can cause serious harm both physically and spiritually in your life. Most of all, survival mode is nothing to be ashamed of or a place to find additional guilt. These episodes are going to happen and the best you can hope for sometimes is to come out on the other side without serious consequences of dangerous temporary relief. Now that's all I have for today, but may the Lord bless you to find hope and peace and happiness in your journey. And as always, the Lord requires the fight, and then he can do his part.